Welcome. This week's lesson is on divorce and remarriage. Bible texts are taken from Genesis 2:18, 21-24, Malachi 2:14, Matthew 5:32, Matthew 19, 3-9, Mark 10, 11 and 12, Luke 16:18, Romans 7, 2 and 3, 1 Corinthians 7, 10 to 13, and Ephesians 5, 22 to 32. Memory verse. Let every one of you in particular so love his wife even as himself, and the wife see that she reverence her husband. Ephesians 5:33. Notes. God's plan and man's attitude toward it. Marriage is binding for life. The Bible teaches us that the only time a marriage vow is ever broken is by the death of one of the two parties who have taken the vow. It clearly states, What therefore God hath joined together, let not man put asunder, Mark 10, 9, Malachi 2:14. Read also 1 Corinthians 7, 39. This was God's plan as revealed in the beginning, when God gave man a helpmeet. And we can see from the teachings of Christ, that it is God's plan for us today. In fact, this was God's plan for all time. As a rule, man has held contempt for the divine laws and plans in one way or another. Because of that contempt, conditions became so bad at one time in the world's history, that God destroyed the great bulk of humanity. After the floodwaters had subsided he made a covenant with those whom he had spared, stating that he would never again destroy the world in that manner. He promised great benefits and blessings to those who would keep his covenants and claim his promises. But man soon began to disregard the covenant that God had made with him, and there has been a steady decline in morals and an increase in lawlessness ever since. God has carried out his plan his part of the covenant in spite of the fact that man has repeatedly broken it, and the other covenants he made with the various peoples of the world. God dealt in faithfulness and mercy with the chosen nation, but they rebelled again and again, and finally committed the capital act of rejection, by refusing their only hope of salvation and crucifying the Son of God. The Gentiles, too, have had their opportunity to accept or reject the King of Love, but they, too, to a great extent, have rejected him who paid the price that made their salvation possible. Jesus told his disciples that these sinful conditions would exist, and he prophesied that they would be especially present in the days immediately preceding his return to earth. He said, As it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be also in the days of the Son of Man. They did eat, they drank, they married wives, they were given in marriage, until the day that Noah entered into the ark, and the flood came, and destroyed them all. Likewise also as it was in the days of Lot, they did eat, they drank, they bought, they sold, they planted, they builded, but the same day that Lot went out of Sodom, it rained fire and brimstone from heaven, and destroyed them all. Even thus shall it be in the day when the Son of Man is revealed, Luke 17 26-30. Today we can see the fulfillment of these prophetic words. There has been an appalling decline in the morals of the people of the world, in the past years especially, and we can see that this is truly a sign of the soon return of the Son of God. Times may change, and man's customs may be altered with the passing of time. Man may disregard and cast aside that which is known and proved to be God's way the right way, and the best way for that which is sensual and gratifying to his fleshy lusts. But God's word, his plan, and his law remain the same always. 
God said in the beginning that a man would leave his father and mother, and would cleave unto his wife, not wives, and that they would be one flesh. There has been no altering of this divine statement. It stands today. Abuses of God's plan and God's judgments. John the Baptist spoke out against the sin of adultery, in the case of a ruler who had taken for himself the wife of another man, Matthew 14. 3 and 4. This sin of adultery was also taught against, and God's will clearly shown, in the examples in which God likened unfaithful Israel, to an unfaithful marital companion who had gone out to marry into adultery, or to commit the sinful act, Malachi 2, 11 to 15. When David sinned after this manner, he caused the name of the Lord to be blasphemed among the heathen, and brought God's judgment upon himself because of his sin, 2 Samuel 12. 13 and 14. Jesus talked with a woman of Samaria, and drew from her the admission that her fifth companion was not her husband, John 4. 16 to 18. And the Holy Spirit, through the Apostle Paul, has taught us that those who commit this terrible sin of adultery, will have no part in the kingdom of heaven, unless they repent and cease from their sinful ways, 1 Corinthians 6. 9, Galatians 5. 19 to 21. 2 Peter 2, 14-17. There is much in scripture that condemns the prevalent abuse of the institution that God made for the benefit of all mankind. Many will distort and ignore the plain teachings of the Bible that they might cover up, excuse, or allow their sin. But the word of God still remains, and the judgments of God will fall upon all who commit this sin, even though the state of adultery may be legalized or sanctioned by the laws or customs of the community. The true marriage. God's word is plain regarding marriage. God has told us that it is not according to his plan for his people to unequally yoke themselves together with unbelievers. 2 Corinthians 6. 14. Read also 1 Corinthians 7. 10 to 16. He has said that marriage is honorable. Hebrews 13. 4, but has also given solemn instructions regarding the obligations that the wife owes to her husband and that the husband owes to his wife, Ephesians 5, 22-33, Romans 7, 1-3, 1 Corinthians 7, 2-6, 10-16, 27-33. As we have stated already, no divorce proceedings are allowed in God's plan and separation is countenanced by him for only certain limited reasons. Death is the only thing that can fully separate those whom God has joined together. A full and complete consideration of this divine principle takes care of all difficulties and answers all problems. God honors all marriages. They do not necessarily have to be performed by a minister or in a sanctuary so long as they are in accord with God's word and in keeping with the established customs and civil laws or regulations of the particular locality where they are solemnized. This being the case, the only marriages that are not regarded by God as being true marriages are those that are made between persons who, one or both of whom, have been married to another person who is still living. Therefore, when a right companion of a person seeking marriage is still living, the original marriage vows are still in force, and the subsequent marriage is out of order, and in direct violation to the commands of God. Such a subsequent marriage is the state of adultery. The original marriage bond, which can be dissolved only by death, is unbroken, 
and the subsequent marriage is in complete disregard of that bond. The problems that confront the minister of the gospel, who is charged with the responsibility of instructing those who have been ensnared by the enemy of men's souls in this prevailing sin are many. A faithful man of God will pray much, and examine every detail of the marriage relationship, that he is considering, to see how it coincides with the divine plan. The original commands of God and the statement of the divine plan, which was made in the beginning, are usually sufficient to determine the true status of any relationship. This revelation of God's will, is the guide and measuring rule that we, as individuals, must apply to our own experience and relationships in order, that our lives may be right in the sight of God, and our conduct above reproach before men. Therefore, to the law, and to the testimony. If they speak not according to this word, it is because there is no light in them, Isaiah 8. 20.